Welcome to the Command Post Podcast, powered by First Do. I'm your host, Tom Lewis, First Do's Enterprise Training Manager. I am pleased today to welcome Deputy Chief Greg Rogers to the podcast. Chief Rogers has served as the Deputy Chief of Fire Prevention with Spokane Valley Fire Department in Washington State since 2015. Managing the Prevention Division has afforded him the opportunity to create and foster public and private partnerships throughout his community. These partnerships have allowed for the development of a sustainable and exceptional community risk reduction program. As a leader in the fire service, Chief Rogers' focus has been to make a meaningful difference in the industry through a dedication to continuous improvement. He has served in many executive roles, including fire service representative on the Washington State Fire Service Leadership Forum, past president of the Washington State Association of Fire Marshals, vice chair of the International Association of Fire Chiefs Fire and Life Safety Section, and as commissioner for the Commission on Professional Credentialing for the Center for Public Safety Excellence and the Washington Youth Soccer Association Board. Please welcome Deputy Chief Greg Rogers to today's podcast. Chief Greg Rogers, thank you so much for joining us on the Command Post podcast. I'm just excited to talk with you today about Spokane Valley Fire and how it's a leader in the community risk reduction space. So uh, with that, um, why is that? Why is Spokane Valley Fire such uh, a leader when it comes to community risk reduction? Because it, that that has to be intentional, right? That has to be something that's part of your mission. But you know, many, many fire departments are working to enhance it, but it seems like Spokane Valley Fire has led the way. Um, so uh, honestly, Tom, and I'm glad to be here with you and enjoy actually talking to you and uh, enjoy your podcast on a regular basis. So oh, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not a first time caller, but I'm definitely a first time talker. So long <laughs> time um, listener. <laughs> but yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, honestly, I have to say, it, it, to me, I give credit to our members of our department. There's uh, a couple of different things that I like to share with people. Um, I think the reason why we have embraced CRR and what we're doing with CRR and the, the things that we're making happen are realistically are due to our, all of our members in our organization. And I have to say it's it's from the top down and it's from the bottom up. Um, we have firefighters. We have we have brand new recruits that just came out of Recruit Academy and just passed their academy last year that are literally going out to schools and helping us do programs. They're mm-hmm. going out and helping us in the community install smoke alarms. Um, I think the other thing is, is we have two fantastic unions. We have Local 876 and Local 3701. Uh, local 876 is our firefighters local. Um, and it honestly, it, it, we couldn't do what we are able to do, or we couldn't make the things happen that we make happen without all of them. I think the other piece is, is when we started down this path, um, of community risk reduction, it really started at the top. Um, it started with the vision of our fire chief. Um, and part of that vision came from our elected officials, our fire commissioners. They fully embraced it and bought into it. And that was one of the, their key factors that I've heard them talk about many, many times of actually bringing myself on board 
because they looked at, you know, when I applied for the job and went through the process, one of the things they said is they liked my resume and they liked my background in everything that I had been involved with in community risk reduction. Because, you know, I uh, one of my mentors was Jim Crawford and Jim kind of laughs when I say he was one of my mentors because it, but realistically, I mean, he was one of my members, uh, Frank Blackley from Wilmington, North Carolina, uh, Mary Kay Appy, uh, she's one of my, you know, she's a mentor for, for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's funny, they all look at me now and they say, you know, we just feel like you're one of us. You, you're at the same level that we're at. But to me, those were my members. And that was one of the reasons why I got involved with Vision 2020 back in 2008 when they originally started. And through that process, and and to me, that's when it really opened my eyes about community risk reduction. And I think I could see where it could go and what it be, could become. Um, and I think one of the things was it just because Jim Crawford was one of my member or one of my mentors. Um, you know, he started speaking to me about integrated community risk reduction, and and it needed to start at the top. And it needed to start at the chief and it needed to be that direction. And it, you know, he, he planted some seeds in my head that was just like, yeah, okay, I'm starting to get the picture, you know, and that's when, even when we started talking about integrated community risk reduction, that's when we started talking about how do we incorporate operations? How do we incorporate training? How do we incorporate the rest of the department? Because we just don't want community risk reduction to be fire prevention. Right. Um, and I think that was one of the key things when I came over for my interview here with Spokane Valley Fire Department. That's some of the things I talked about with the chief when we were doing the interview. And, and the nice thing was is, is the Spokane Valley Fire Department seven years ago when I came on board, they nobody, you know, most people here never heard of community risk reduction. Um, and so it was, it was interesting. And and as I teach classes, I tell people, I go, listen, community risk reduction as a department, as a whole is a journey. It's not a project. Mm. It's a, it it is truly a journey. There is not a switch you can flip. You cannot rename your fire prevention division, community risk reduction and say, Hey, we're all good. We're done. We're, we're, Hey, we're doing community risk reduction. And and to me, that's, that's, uh, as, as as Chief Jenkins said in our 2019 uh, CRR conference, he says that's kind of lip service. So he's like, is you know, are you really doing community risk reduction or is it lip service? Right, um, it's like the mission statement on the wall. Is it just to check a box and have it on the wall, or are you living it? Yep, and that's a true statement. And it's funny when I first got here, um, uh, local 876, you know, the union and some of the firefighters. They were like, yeah, this is just the next fad. And once this fad goes away, then we'll move on to the next thing that comes along. And it was entertaining. I really, you know, and I didn't say anything. I just kind of shook my head and went, oh, man, they have no idea what's getting ready to happen. <laughs> you know, you talk, when you talk about, um, you mentioned the top down and bottom up. Um, so there's another CRR. And I think com- uh, collaboration really resonates. <laughs> and you, you've got to have that or it's not going to be successful. And, and so we hear the term community risk reduction, right? And I've, you know, I've spoken with Joe Powers. He's been a guest here on the podcast. I know you know Joe and yep. just a lot of other leaders in our, in our industry. But what really defines, what are the elements, right? Well, when you think of community risk reduction being more than just fire prevention and inspections and pre-planning and all of that, 
what, and, and we're going to get into some of the cool things Spokane Valley is doing. I want to talk about, you know, some of, about some of the programs that you have that are, are unique and very interesting, but what are the elements, right? What really defines what community risk reduction is all about, right? Because I know we, mm-hmm. I come from a department mm-hmm. where we fire prevention, but we did other things. We did car seat checks and we did mm-hmm. other, we other fall injury prevention and all of those things. So we were doing community risk reduction before we called it community risk reduction. But what are some of the other things that are really elemental to a good program? Uh, so I think what you have to do is that that one or two CRR advocates that you have in your department, it's based upon the language that you use. Mm. It's based upon how you present it. And that's something that I talk about in one, in, in, you know, in one of my presentations that I do is I talk about how it, you have to look at this as a language change. Um, and what I talk to fire chiefs about and what I talk to, uh, you know, deputy chiefs of ops or people from ops or people from training. And this is the same thing I did here in Spokane Valley Fire Department is, you know, when we had our uh, extractors installed at the stations, uh, you know, uh, they, they started talking about it. And the first words out of my mouth was, this is risk reduction. Folks, mm-hmm. this is risk reduction. We're doing risk reduction. It's just risk reduction for our own members. Internal. Yeah. And so I started telling people, hey, listen, if we don't take care of our own members, how can we be expected to take care of the community? So isn't that risk reduction? That's part of community risk reduction. Um, and then the other piece that I shared with them when I got here is we had uh, one of the best uh, cardiac save rates in the state, uh, Washington State. Uh, uh, is was the Ustain, I think is what they call it, uh, save rate. And, okay. and, and I talked to them and explained to them because we, we, the Spokane Valley Fire Department, this was before I got here, the Spokane Valley Fire Department changed their response model because they wanted to be able to do pit crew CPR. So we had to make sure we got seven people there during a cardiac event. Mm. So that way they can make sure all of this works. And I said, do you realize that's community risk reduction? I go, we have the highest save rate, cardiac save rate in in Washington state. Um, And we have parameters and measurements that we have to do based upon ops. And you changed our response plan so that way we could get a better save rate for our community. That's community risk reduction. Mm -hmm. You know, and and I've talked about it even in regards to, and it's funny, I, I use our high angle rescue. I have a couple of pictures of our high angle rescue team hanging off some cliffs next to the Spokane river out here. And I actually bring that picture up when I'm doing the training and I go, Hey, is this community risk reduction? And I ask everybody in the class, is this community risk reduction? And they're like, well, yeah, it has to do with, and I'm like, it's training. I was going to say training. I mean, anytime you're doing training, you're reducing the risk because you're improving your knowledge and skills. And so you're more effective when the call comes in. Right. Yep. Well, and, and so I've used the same thing with accreditation. We go through accreditation. You know, you have to make sure you have to have an effective firefighting response force there with X amount of time. You have to be able to accomplish this. You have to be able to accomplish this. And I went, wait a minute. Well, this is just like a community risk reduction model. Uh, so it was, it was, it literally, I kept hammering that and hammering that. And I knew, I knew the minute it had planted here at Spokane Valley 
uh, because an EMS chief came up to me and he and it was funny. He was in charge of our entire EMS division, division and he comes up to me and he goes, I never thought I'd be working for the community risk reduction division. And I, right. went, and I stopped him and I said, now you're getting the picture because I said, really, we all work for community risk reduction. Well, that's that's the thing, right? Community risk reduction is, is it seems like it's a natural evolvement of evolving of what is traditionally fire prevention, but you, what you just elaborate on, it's, it's all encompassing. I mean, one could argue everything that the department does is aligned towards reducing risk. Um, right. It's just more, you know, there's more formal, formalized aspects of it, but it trickles into everything we do. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think the other piece, why, why our, you know, our department has uh, been looked at as one of those leaders is, you know, everything that I'm involved in and what I have an opportunity to be able to uh, do, you know, I have the opportunity to represent the International Association of Fire Chiefs in the in a CRR summit over in the UK. Um, so, you know, I, it, it's interesting. I try to reach out to a lot of contacts in regards to that mm-hmm. and bring some of that information back to our department and some of those programs. The other thing, the other, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say UK. So internationally speaking, how do we stack up from your experience? Like when you, the UK, for example, or have you done research with against other countries, how, how do we stack up when it comes to community risk? Reduction? So there's, there's, it's interesting. There's parts and pieces that we're actually ahead of them. And there's mm-hmm. parts and pieces that they're actually ahead of us. Yeah. I imagine. Okay. Um, it's kind of a mixture of things, but it's funny, even going over there and meeting with them and having some conversations uh, during one of our walks to dinner, uh, you know, I got to talk to a couple of the gentlemen there and they were more nervous about what we were going to come over and present uh, because they thought we were going to outshine them. And it ended up being a total mix of a little bit of everything. And it was funny how everybody took a little piece. You know, everybody took a couple of golden nuggets away. And I think some of those those fears kind of subsided yeah. after we were done. So it like, was, Br- like Brunacini says, never stop learning from everyone. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, it, you know, taking that uh, model in context. One of the other things I talk about is I don't think we do a good enough job of going and learning from others. Um, I say there's a lot that we can, you know, there's a lot that we can take away from a conference this and a conference that and little nuggets. But I said, um, there's a whole different picture and I relate it to the new firefighter. You know, when somebody out in the world wants to become a firefighter, what do they go do? They go do ride alongs. You know, and they go do ride-alongs to find out what's this job going to be like? And is this the department that I want to go to work for? And the department's looking at them and evaluating them and going, hey, are they really going to fit in with our organization? So the interesting piece is, is when our CRR specialist started here, I sent her to Tucson. Um, and she went to Tucson and spent a couple of days with their CRR folks. You know, Mike Karsten, their CRR person. Mike Karsten's their chief oh, yeah. there. I went, he went, he and I were in the yep. same fire academy. I mean, oh, I, you're I'm, kidding. I live in, oh, wow. <laughs> I, live in, I live in Tucson. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. That's, okay. Yeah. All right. So we actually, I sent her down there because I'm like, I know they're doing great things and they have some great programs. Uh, I also connected her with Deanna Harrington from Arvada. I also connected them with uh, Frank Blackley had left by then, but with Wendy out in Wilmington, North Carolina. 
Um, and she went and did a couple of other job shadows. Um, we, you know, there were a couple of other agencies that I knew had some programs that uh, we, I was like, hey, I want you to find out about these programs. And I want you to know if you, I want you to tell me if you think we can bring them back here and how can we bring them back. Um, and so she literally went to several different fire departments and we brought back and we basically took their programs and went, okay, we're going to morph them and make them better. And it's funny, even when we talk about those programs, we always give those agencies full credit for, you know, we're like, hey, we didn't create this. We just went and did something and made it better. But I've told folks, I said, hey, you really need to take advantage of these kind of opportunities. I'm like, if you get a CRR person or you hear of a program send one of your staff people there. I'm like, it, it would, it, it, it will, it's, you will get times 10 return that you would have sending them to a conference. It's just mind blowing. You're seeing it. You're seeing it in action, right? You're seeing it in action. Yep. Yeah. What? Um, okay. So let's get back to um, Spokane Valley. So it's part of the culture there, right? It's community risk reduction is part of the culture. It's a part of the, it's a core part of the mission. It's, it's not an outlier. It's not, oh, those guys over there doing, you know, inspections and this yep. and that. Yep. So, but I know you have some pretty interesting programs. I know back we had talked about your virtual fire extinguisher program, but you have some <laughs> other really interesting programs. Sh- share some of those really unique community risk reduction programs that you have in Spokane Valley that maybe the typical fire department hasn't even thought of. So I, I think one of them uh, is our apartment fire safety program. All right, what's, fire, yeah, what's that about? So our apartment fire safety program is actually something that cultivated um, years ago when I was over in Kitsap County. When I was over in Kitsap County, they had a huge fire in the city of Bremerton that was the Kona Village fire. And from the Kona Village fire, we actually created what we call an R1 ordinance. And it was mm. a, a retroactive requirement for apartments. And apartments had to get to 80 points out of 100 from this grading sheet. But one of the pieces, one of the components of that ordinance was is that the d- departments around the county had to provide a fire safety training program. Um, to apartment complexes. And so we would actually go out on an annual basis. We would go out to the apartment complexes. You know, we would go to their clubhouse. We would hold a fire safety event, you know, and we would, they would invite all their tenants down and we would do this. And for about, we did it for about the first three or four years. And we, all of us depart, there were like three or four departments over there. And we kept talking and we're like, you know what? the people that we're seeing in these clubhouses are not the people we need to get in touch with and all of this. The interesting piece is Tualatin Valley Fire and Rescue had a very similar problem. So they came up and actually did a site visit and spent two or three days with us walking through our entire program and wanted to see what we were doing. And they went back and they created a full day fire safety program for uh, property managers, leasing officers, and uh, maintenance facil- facility maintenance folks. Um, so because I knew they had that program, I sent our folks to Tualatin Valley, and I actually sent our CRR specialist and EMS chief, and I said, hey, I want you to go look at this program, go spend a day with them, watch them teach it, you know, schedule some time with them, and see if it's something that we can bring back here, because I was watching 
in our response area, we were building approximately anywhere from 1,800 to 2,000 units a year of apartments. I was going to ask you, the, uh, what, and you may not know this, and it's uh, perfectly fine, but what in, in Spokane Valley, do you know roughly what percentage of your citizens live in apartments? Uh, I, I, it changes on a daily basis. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I, I would say it's a, it's a good chunk of change. Yeah. It's substantial, right? It's yeah. Substantial. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. And, and the thing about it is, is I could see what they were building and I'm like, I know the problem that's coming. I've seen this story play out in other departments and other agencies. How do we get ahead of the curve? My goal was to get ahead of the curve. Um, so they actually came back and, and they talked the EMS chief and the, um, CRR person talked. And that was about the time this, the EMS chief said uh, he didn't realize he was going to be working for the community risk reduction division. And that's what I laughed and told him, I said, hey, we're all in this together. So we actually created a half day class. Okay. Um, our first class was in person. We had a lunch sponsored by one of our community businesses. The nice thing is, is it was one of the board up businesses. You know, if you had an incident or clean, it could be surf pro, it could be 1-800 board up, or, you know, we, our goal was to try to rotate it around to those different businesses to allow them the opportunity to sponsor the lunch. Um, and then they could provide their information. So then what we did is we had our inspectors go out and invite different complexes. The interesting thing is, is we said, listen, we want to do a mixture of complexes. We want to do some that are doing things really, really well. And we want some that need some really, some big, some help. Um, and what we wanted to do is we wanted to put all of them in the same room and see them network. Okay. You know, it's kind of like fire service people. Yeah, we're yeah. Gonna net, we're going to network. For sure. For sure. You're going to get ideas from yeah. not just the leaders or the instructors, but from the participants exactly. as well. Exactly. And so that's the reason why we wanted that mix of people that are really, really that are doing it really well and people that need some help mm-hmm. because we thought, you know, as we teach this class and they network during lunch and breaks, they're going to have conversations and they're going to learn what this person's doing and this person's doing. So we actually did the class. We did a half a day class and it actually includes, and we switched it up a little bit. It actually includes stop the bleed. So we do some oh. medical stuff for them. Okay. So that way they get a full medical understanding. We talk to them about CPR a little bit because we talk to them about how we want them to be prepared if one of their residents, you know, something happens to one of their residents, they're just as prepared as we are. Um, we have a conversation with them about AEDs okay. and talk to them about possibly putting one of those in their clubhouse. Um, we also do a presentation in regards to fire extinguishers, maintenance of sprinkler systems, why they're important. The interesting piece is we have a different person teach each different section. So we have, I kind of went out of focus. Can so, <laughs> It'll come back. So we have, we have, uh, uh, we have a person in the a paramedic that teaches the stop the bleed program. He's the one that teaches all of those pieces for the medic piece. Um, okay. I, I actually do an introductory part. My introductory part goes over our state rules and regulation um, and then it goes, I also talk about the 10 year smoke alarm. Um, Thank and I you. tell them, and I tell them there's a legal case in Arkansas about the 10 year smoke alarm, that a complex actually got sued and I'd been following it. And I posted up on the screen 
and tell them, this is the reason why we're here. This is the reason why we're doing this class. But I also talk to them about community risk reduction partnerships. Um, because I tell them, I say, one of the reasons why you guys are here is because we want to create a partnership with you. And I said, this is almost like a train the trainer course. And we want you to go out and be our voice for your community members or your tenants that are living in your building. The last piece that I talked to them about in the introduction is, you know, we teach people to have fire safety escape plans and have plans. I talk about all of this. So I explain to them and I tell them, I say, hey, in the Kona Village fire and several other fires, and I bring up recent fires like some in city of Spokane, some here, some there. Okay. I try to bring up local stuff and I even bring up stuff that's happened in our jurisdiction. And I tell them, hey, if there's a fire in your complex, you're going to have anywhere from six to 16 people displaced. What are you planning on doing with them? And I said, let me put it to you this way. It just happened. What's your plan? Yeah. Where, and and, and where, they, look at, they look at you wide yeah, eyed, right? Yeah. And I tell them, I'd say, hey, we, it's, we don't have a plan. And I tell them. Red Cross will actually, you know, do it for a couple of days. Sure. But then Red Cross is going to release them. And I'm like, they're your tenant. You have a contract with them. If you don't have a place to provide them, you either hopefully something's in your contract or I just, and I tell them, I say, hey, this is another reason why we're here to have this conversation because I'm, I explained to them up front, we're trying to look after your best interests. And that's the reason why we want to work together. So um, let me ask. Let me ask you this: um, How long has the pro- How long has the program been in in existence? Uh, so we started it pre-COVID. We did a couple of classes pre-COVID. Then when we hit COVID, we the breaks kind of went into uh, uh, you know the hard, the heavy set. Hard. Oh yeah, it was like the truck. Right? Oh yeah, locked up the brakes and that's it. Yeah. Um, the wonderful thing was, is between our, um, community affairs division, which is absolutely fantastic with our social media and everything that our department and agency gets out, they actually worked with us and we did video segments of each section. We now have the entire program online. Um, everybody in our department, including engines and everybody, and we kind of stole this idea from Joe Powers. Has a, Q, has a QR code. They can hand somebody that QR code. They can go through that training. Each section of that online training, when they complete a section, they actually have to go through a test. And we want them to go through a test to make sure they paid attention during the training because right. we don't want them just to click on the training and go, okay, I'm going to go over here. I got to take care of a renter. I got to go show him an apartment. Come back. Okay. I need to click on the next video. I'll watch the oh, next video. You said, so that sounds like firefighters. Training. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like us on online training. Exactly. I remember, I remember those days. Yep. <laughs> we know better than that. that. Well, see, we learned from ourselves. That's how right. we did. Now, so did you thing- ever have, did you ever have, so since it's been in, its inception, has there been an incident at any of the complex apartment complexes where any of this has been able to be put into action yet? Nope. Not yet. I haven't okay. had an incident. Okay. I haven't had an incident. Um, and you're probably asking me because of their pre-plan. <laughs> um, I, was, the whole, I'm more, I was most, no, in all honesty, I was mostly curious to see if you had a, I mean, I know there's a more, I want to ask you this too, measuring community risk reduction, the metrics mm-hmm. involved, but I was just mostly curious that 
how how that the, that kind of program in the event something happens, the outcomes right an actual yep. outcome when something yep. untoward happens at a complex. I'm just I'll be, yep. I'm going to be I'm just fascinated yep. by that because you know yep. there's going to be positives from it, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. There's going to be one, and I'm I'm hoping knock on knock on wood that there is positives from that. Uh, but no, we haven't had an incident yet. Okay. The other key is is once they finish all the modules, and I think there's six modules in the six, training okay. piece on the online, uh, they actually receive a certificate for their complex. Their complex is considered fire safety certified by our agency and department for three years. I got to ask you real quick. You said fire safety, but so much of it was EMS too. Is it actually called apartment fire safety or do you call it fire and life safety? It's just apartment fire safety program. Okay, but it includes those EMS but elements it, too. It includes EMS elements and we include that in the training piece. So if I'm going to be a come rented an apartment complex and I know this program because Spokane Valley does good PR and public relation that this is in existence, I better see that certificate when I go into look at an apartment in Spokane Valley if I'm going to become a tenant. This better be yep. there. Yep, yep, that was our goal. Our goal is to help them make it a selling point. They also get a display board that sets in their leasing office that has uh, pictures on the side that talk about smoke alarms and they can literally take the smoke alarm that's in each individual unit and attach the smoke alarm to this board. So that way, when they talk to people about smoke alarms, they have a display setting right there in their office. Yeah. That's a, that's big deal stuff to me as, I mean, not just as a tenant, but as a pr prospective tenant that that would make an impact. Well, and that's what we want to do. We want to get their attention because we, we our hope is, is if the community feels that it's important enough, then we're going to start getting people contacting us going, hey, we need to go through your program. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's the ultimate goal uh, to get the program. And I know it's going to take a couple of years to get it there, but, but we got the ball rolling and it's moving right along. The nice thing is, is like I was saying, our now our inspectors can be out in the field if they see something you know, or if they're out doing inspection, they could go, hey, you guys really should go through this class because you could get the certificate at the end, da, 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 da. Yeah, so while you know, they're updating they can, those awesome pre-plans, they can. Yep, <laughs> yep, they can zap that, they can zap that QR code and they can do their thing, so. That's cool. What, so what What else? I mean, what else um, that is, I mean, it doesn't have to be unique to Spokane Valley, but where you're, what you're really proud of there that is, is that is a pioneering program, um, a unique program, I know, um, and we can talk briefly, but um, you're the virtual expire extinguisher. I got to put on a headset at the CRR conference <laughs> in Murfreesboro. And I'm like, I was, I will be honest. I was a little skeptical. And then I put it on. I'm like, well, darn it. This doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it was interesting. My first, my, my goal was to create a CPR uh, process through virtual reality. Okay. And that was my original vision. And I got that vision from the UK. Um, if you do a YouTube Google, you'll find a ton of UK companies that are doing virtual reality CPR. Um, so we actually, we literally reached out to a couple of those companies and they're like, well, we charge per student. Okay. And we can't just sell you the device. And I'm like, well, how much do you charge per student? And they're like, well, the student gets two sessions, this and that, and here's what we would charge per student. And I'm like, okay, I've got like 5,000 kids in three different uh, high schools. And I'm like, that's going to cost us like 50, 
thousand dollars plus every year. I'm like, nah, this is. I'm like, have you thought about a different funding mechanism? Right, right. I'm like, this is not affordable for us. And they're thinking, what they actually use it for is for medical students in college and stuff. And I'm like, well, it makes sense if I'm doing that, but it doesn't make sense for the model that I want to use it for. No. So I was, I was literally, I was like, uh, it's, it's out of the ballpark. We're not going to be able to make this happen. And literally it was like two months later, a company by the name of Gravity Jack came to our rotary meeting and did a presentation about how they were doing augmented reality and virtual reality. And I was just, it was funny. I was just, that rotary meeting, I was sitting on the edge of my seat going, oh, I can't wait till Q&A. Here we go. (laughs) And they literally did their presentation and they'd done some stuff with uh, museums over in the UK about you put these augmented glasses on and uh, uh, a tank would appear in front of you. And you could actually touch different components on the tank in this museum setting and it would tell you stuff about the tank, even okay. though the tank wasn't sitting there. And I'm like, that's crazy. Um, and they'd done some stuff for Pepsi and a couple other companies. Um, they'd done some stuff with cars. And they were even talking about how in the future you'll buy cars this way. That wouldn't uh, surprise me. Yeah. 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 So they literally got to the q and I raised my hand and I said, hey, I said, I've had this crazy idea for a while. <laughs> Is it even possible? And told them what my idea was in the, and you know, you're in Rotary. So you're there with community members and all the community members are like, that's awesome. That's cool. That would be a fantastic idea. So they, I actually, we swapped cards and I think it was like four to six months later, they reached out to me and they said, Hey, we've got the bandwidth to sit down and work with you. Um, And we actually sat down, created the whole fire extinguisher prop. They said, let's start with that first. Right. I remember then, holding that in my hand, right? Yeah. And they said, let's start with that first and then let's move on to the next stuff. And one of the reasons why I also wanted to experiment with this is because I'd heard of Flame and a couple others that are doing firefighter training, you know, uh, uh, virtual reality firefighter training. And I thought, you know, we have to get the community public education piece on board with this because. It's like me sitting here watching my kid play video games and all of this. The the kids that are growing up today, they are not interested in seeing a old gray white haired dude stand in front of them and explain public education or something. But if I can hand them a set of those goggles off the chart, they get engaged. You know, they get engaged. Oh, it, they're it, more than engaged. And the other thing is, is it's it's uh, creating uh, muscle memory. Because it's like, it's, you know, I, I, and I, I think of it this way, you know, when I was a kid, I watched, I don't know, it was like 911 on TV. Yeah. You know, and then you would see people in your own community and they'd go, well, I saw this person collapse and I just started pushing on their chest because I'd seen it on 911 and I, I knew this would be the proper thing to do. And, you know, they wouldn't even give them breaths or do this or that, but they're, they're pumping on their chest because I saw it on TV. Compression is only CPR 20, 30 yeah. years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What, uh, exactly. So it was well-received. And I know that you, there was kind of a little bit of a hiatus during COVID, like any, like yep. everything, right? But yep. with that program, how many students were you able to, to touch with that? 
So we we don't really focus on the students as much as we do for businesses because gotcha. our businesses okay. do our extinguisher okay. training. Got it. But, but we're able to do approximately 30, 35 people per class. Okay. Um, and the interesting thing is, is at this point, now all we have to do is send, well, and all we had to do was send one person out before. But literally, you just go over the basics. You hand them the goggles like you did at the conference. You put them on. It's it's entertaining. We found the older generation usually has to go through the scenarios twice, just because you're not uh, if you're not used to the virtual yeah. reality world or never done it. The first time, I guarantee you, they're going to fail. There's and, disor- and, yeah. There's a little disorientation. Yeah. The one thing I like best about it is compared to because I remember teaching doing fire extinguisher classes at it, assisted living facilities, nursing homes, all of those, and you know we bring out our extinguisher trailer you know, propane coming up through the water, but the recharging of extinguishers and you really only got one shot here. You can practice the muscle memory. You said you can practice a bunch of times that to me, I like is the repetition that you can have at no additional cost essentially, because you're not having to, you know, go fill more fire extinguishers. Yep. Yep. You can do it multiple times. You can do it. And the thing about it is, is it's funny because, you know, if you, in the, in the virtual world, if you do it, it's like a big fail comes up. You know, hey, you failed. Oh, yeah. You didn't I it. saw it. Oh, yeah. I did. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and the thing about it is, is the competitiveness of Ennis is like, no, I, I can't give you this. I got to do it again. Got to do it again. Yeah. That, <laughs> that's do, fun. I'll that makes it fun. It again. So uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no. Um, I I think it has a lot of lot of uh, a lot of potential and it's it can be very, uh, very engaging. And if I remember right, the device it's got a bit of a weight to it. Not, it's not necessarily as heavy as a, you know, 10 pound extinguisher, but it still has some heft. So it gives you that tactile response that you would expect on a real extinguisher. Right. 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 As, as well as you, you got to make sure you're pointing it at that seat of the fire. I remember that too. Or otherwise that's another fail. And the nice part is, is we have a mixture between a cooktop fire and a, a trash can fire. Okay. So Mine was, my two, simulation was the cooktop. Yeah. So there's two different scenarios that we've built and you can, you can actually do it where it intermixes them. So it alters them. Okay. So that way you never know what you're going to get. So that way, if the person puts the glasses or the goggles on, they, they're not quite sure. And uh, it's funny. Some of them, if their buddies told them, Hey, it's a stovetop, blah, 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 you can see them. They're like looking right at the stovetop waiting for this thing to catch on fire. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're like, boop, a fail pops up. And they're like, what? I never ever even saw anything. Yeah, it's like, well, tra- did you look at, oh. did you look at the trash can in the corner? <laughs> so did, so did you ever have, has, has anyone had to actually deploy a fire extinguisher after a class? Did you ever, anybody ever come back and talk to you? Uh, we haven't had anybody yet. We okay. had a couple of people after we used to do our old extinguisher class, tell mm-hmm. us that they've had to do it. Um, yep. And they literally said, you know, they felt a comfortable confidence gone, they had yeah, the confidence they, that they could yep. take initial action obviously call yep. 911 because you know some of those fires they may not get out with an extinguisher but yeah yep. Yep. Oh, that's super cool i know it was fun and i just found it to be innovative and and uh, a way to engage the community you know, without having to bring on a lot of how bring on a lot of hardware right so yep yep so yep. what's this what's this um we know smoking and you know oxygen use I know some of the fatality fires I had in my jurisdiction. That's exactly what caused the fatality was smoking in bed with O2, right? Or in right. in the living yep. room and they had, they were on ox, home oxygen. So that's kind of a big deal. It's a de- clearly a, a deadly combination. 
but you got you've got a program for that too, right? What's that? Yep, yep. So uh, since I've been here, we've had one at least a minimum one fatality per year due to smoking and oxygen. Okay. And it's just like, it just kills me. It's like, uh, you know, and I've had family members uh, at my first fatality, you know, a a daughter that was yelling at the firefighters because we never got her mom to stop smoking. And I literally, we just literally had to say, look, you got to go away. We've got enough grief that we're dealing with because somebody passed away here. We don't, you know, we don't need more. Um, and I'm thinking, man, there has to be something out there. Well, I ran across this uh, component that they're using in Wyoming. That's a fire break that okay. gets plugged, that gets it actually gets plugged into the hose um, itself. And so it's in oxygen. line. It's in line. The oxygen tubing. It's yep. in line. Okay. Yeah. So it comes out your nasal cannula. It comes out when it comes down before it gets plugged into the hose. It gets plugged into this device and the hose. Okay. And then the hose continues to the oxygen, whatever's doing the oxygen, whether it's a tank or one of those machines. Sure. Right before you get to there, there's another device there along with another connection to either the tank or the machine. Um, the device actually is uh, like a thermal fuse. Okay. Um, and it, it, I, it's, it's almost like a, uh, every if you think of a fire sprinkler, it's in reverse. Got it. Instead of opening. Yeah. So if the fire sprinkler was flowing water constantly and the fire got to it, this would plug it and stop the water from flowing. So okay. imagine, imagine if, you know, if the water was the oxygen from the, from the sprinkler head, if that oxygen is flowing through the sprinkler head, it's naturally flowing to the individual. That catches on fire as soon as it gets to that fire break, it'll stop the flow of oxygen just like that. I mean, okay. boom, immediately. And we actually have a video of it on our YouTube page, our fire department's YouTube page. You can see it. And I mean, it literally it immediately goes out. Um, and what happens is, is it, it does that the burns aren't as severe. Okay. So you're not going to get that fatality. You're still going to have some minor injuries. The other key is you're not going to have, because the thing about it is as soon as it catches on fire, somebody's going to be doing this or trying, you know, they're trying to get it off of them. Okay. Then once they get it off of them, now it's on the floor. Now it's catching this on fire. It's catching that on fire. It's catching the bed on fire. It's catching this. Most of the people that we've seen from uh, uh, O2 oxygen fires were try- literally trying to get out of the house, but never made it. Um, and we've also seen people with burns on their feet because they were trying to literally stomp out the fire as the hose yeah. was burning. Yeah. So it just, it just continues to magnify. And it's like, man, there has to be something out there that can deal with this. Um, so we learned about this thermal fuse that Wyoming was doing. Um, so we chatted with them at one of the vision 2020 conferences and we came back and we said, look, we're going to apply for a FEMA fire prevention grant. We got a FEMA fire prevention grant. So now we include those thermal fuses in our home safety visits when we go out and do smoke alarm visits. So that answers my question. You got funding through a grant. So you're able to provide these to the citizens at no cost, essentially no direct, no direct cost. Correct. 
So the other piece was, is again, we went and worked with our EMS chief, signed him up for that community. Your CRR <laughs> chief, you mean your second? Your... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so our EMS chief, and we said, hey, we need to get training out to our crews about these devices, which we're currently working on. And then we want to get these devices on the engine. So if they respond to something with COPD, um, that and that's on oxygen, and if they know they smoke, then they can install these devices immediately. Um, because that's the other thing is we knew all of the people that died with smoking and oxygen. We had been there at least an average of 12 times. 12 times. 12 times. 12 times. We had averaged 12 times for all of those people that had a fatality. And it's like, you got to be kidding me. There's nothing we could. I mean, even install a smoke alarm, install whatever you want. It's still not going to fix that problem. And they're, um, and they're usually, they're, they're not, they don't have the, they have limited mobility, many of them to begin yep. with. And so, that's the reason why it takes so long for them to get out. Yeah. So by the time they could, you know, before they can even get halfway, they're, they're uh, overtaken with smoke. How many of these have you deployed? Uh, I think so far we've deployed probably about a dozen or two. Okay. Okay. Um, it's kind of in its infancy stage. It's, I was right going to say now. it's a new program, right? It's a newer yep. program. What brand, uh, what are they? New. What are they? If you don't mind, if don't mind me asking, what what's the cost? To, that then what did you? What was the grant award for? Uh, I think each individual unit themselves cost anywhere from about seven to twelve dollars for a kit. Oh, so that's pretty darn reasonable. Yeah, all totally reasonable. Uh, not any different than we would spend on a smoke alarm. Sure. Um, probably even a little bit cheaper than some of the smoke alarms we purchased. <laughs> um, but the interesting piece is, is because of this program and some conversations we've had, um, our CRR specialist has had some conversations with our trauma coordinator at our local hospital. Okay. And the hospital actually wants to start purchasing these and issue them with patients that they discharge that they know smoking. And it's like, it's like, you've got to be kidding me. This is, this is, that's great that, to me. To me, that's the granddaddy of them all. 12, 12, um, $12, per, $12 prevention that could, it yep. could I mean, it will save a life. I mean, yep. Cause so you're then I get, at that and with, with people that are smoking and use oxygen, the likelihood of changing that behavior is very slim. Right. right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's not, just, yeah, it's not going to happen. It's not happening. Um, as much as we'd like to think we can, we can educate yeah. and show the dangers and, it's, yeah. it's just, you're going to be more effective with, with technology and an engineering solution versus yep. um, an education, education enforcement. Yep. And, yeah. yep. Well, and here's the thing about it is, is if they're on oxygen and they're still smoking, I mean, you, you just think about it. They ain't ever going to stop. If they haven't stopped smoking by then, they ain't going to stop No, smoking. and it's just not going to, it's unfortunate, um, but it's not. So that's fascinating. Boy, I, I'd love to get a follow-up a year or two from now um, on on those instances, I know, and I know they're not frequent, right? Where you're not running a fatality like this every week or every month, no, even. No, but but it's at least once a year time where it's gonna it's gonna prove itself. Yep. So the other thing is, is to let you know, um, I believe the gentleman's name is Mark from Wyoming. He actually, it's either Mark or Mike, and I want to give him credit. He worked with the American Burn Association, and they have recently signed a. Um, position paper supporting these devices and wanting nice. to continue to move them forward on a national level. It almost makes you wonder if you have the fire, you know, the fire and life safety departments like yours and hospitals, 
almost feels like insurance companies need to be throwing this in with their policies. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's one of the goals between, uh, you know, I'm on the fire and life safety section with IAFC. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things we want to do is work with the American Burn Association, IEFFs even reached out to us. Uh, we do know that the Veterans uh, Administration actually started this program and started using these devices in 2019. They, oh. actually, pay, they actually pay for them for veterans. Okay. Um, and it's part of their insurance program. What we want to do is try to get this device uh, incorporated in as part of the uh, device that would be covered if you got insurance claim for uh, oxygen. Right. Um, right. And, and, and make it a, a, what do they call it? A, a Medicare, Medicaid. Right. Would right. cover it. Yep. It's covered. Yep. Super cool. Um, great. Fascinating programs. What else you got? Anything else you want to share that's going on up there? Uh, there's a, there's a ton of stuff. I don't even, I wouldn't even know. You're just going to have to come, you're going to have to just come back one of these days. And and, yeah, I I don't even know where to start. We're, we're underway of working with a falls coalition and, um, actually it's getting ready to come out in the paper. Our chief announced it at a city council meeting on Tuesday. Um, we're getting ready to work with what a program, uh, with that coalition and our, what we call snap here locally to start going around and installing grab bars grab bars throughout our community for fall prevention. Yeah. Sure. Because falls is one of our leading calls and we have to start addressing that. So the dividends, right? There's always that saying you, you, you get as good as you give. Right. And so there, what about the, some of the intangibles, you know, and I want to ask you about how you measure some of the, the programs and, and again, you mm-hmm. don't get to get too deep into the weeds, but I want to ask you that after this one is, have you seen an impact in the relationship that your department has with the citizens, with the community? Well, 110%. Uh, I can tell you we have, I think we probably have three or four programs that are fully sponsored and funded by businesses throughout mm-hmm. our community. We, we probably have four or five different businesses that actually volunteer with us to go out and install smoke alarms throughout the community. Um, The interesting piece is um, when we started doing that, we wanted to make them feel like they were part of the fire department. So we took one of our fire department t-shirts. We put their logo, the business logo here on the back of the shirt. It says Spokane Valley fire department silk screen, just like our firefighters. Yep. The only difference is instead of their name or whatever, like what you've seen in Phoenix and Tucson, where they have their name and the yeah. fire department logo, it has their business logo. Well, that that's that's big uh, deal stuff, right? And and it's it's yep. I call it. I mean, I think of something like that meaningful marketing, right? It's it's yep. it's fire department branding, but who doesn't want to be associated with their fire department, right? And so, yeah, that's some, that's pretty savvy, right there. So what, what, what we do, and I have to, you know, Ben May talks about us ben, constantly. He was a guest. He was a guest. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I've watched them all. Uh, but no, Ben May talks about branding and marketing. And he literally, when he talks to people, he'll, he'll tell you some of the stuff that we do at Spokane Valley in regards to our social media branding and marketing. And that's just a piece of it. Because we know, I mean, if you think about it, there's not a business in anyone's community that doesn't want to do community service. They want to give back to the community. 
what we as a fire department or fire departments have to do is figure out how do we tap into that resource and how do we give them an opportunity to join, you know, what Ben May would say is one of the most trusted brands in America. 100%. You know, mm-hmm. Because who, who doesn't want to be connected? You said it. Who doesn't want to be connected with the fire department in that brand? Um, and so it literally showing a small token of our appreciation by giving them a T-shirt back, uh, it just amplifies it. And the thing about it is, is you have to think about these employees in these companies are all members of your community. Yeah. It, you know, and the, and the, and the word of mouth that takes place, listen, we're in the fire service. We know how valuable, we know how much we love our t-shirts and whatever, yep. you know, whatever yep. we go do coming back with the t-shirt is always a good, yep. a good oh, yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. it, 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 it's, it's, it sounds so simple, but it's so, it's so meaningful and effective at the same time. And, and so speaking of effective, so measuring this stuff, right. And again, this could be a whole nother hour conversation, but, but in a nutshell, what, how are you measuring because I'm sure you're, you're the deputy chief and I'm sure your chief, your city council, they want you to be able to tell the story that these programs matter. Even if it didn't come out directly out of their pocket, it's still coming out of taxpayers' money even through a federal grant even, right? And so yep. to justify and to, to verify what you're doing, how are you telling that story? How are you measuring this? Uh, so it depends upon the program in the area because you got to measure them all a little bit differently, but I'll talk about our home safety visits. Our yeah, yeah, safety, do that one. Okay. Our, our home safety visits. We talk about the number of home safety visits we did. Um, our uh, GIS person actually has a map. We created a map PowerPoint presentation and it just has little dots on it and it shows the dots of where we've installed smoke alarms. We also include uh, the smoke alarms or home safety visits that our crews have done. If they were out on a call and they installed a smoke alarm, that'll be a dot. That dot will be a different color than if we did a smoke alarm blitz or a blitz campaign. Love it. Um, It tells a story with color. Simple. So your audience is your city council. Your audience is the citizens. You have all that data, but you're presenting it in a way that they can digest it and get it. Yep. Yep. So each each click of the mouse. We'll bring more dots onto the screen because it'll show from the time period when we started in 2017 and how many homes we've done up to this point. Nice. And and what we do is we actually overlay. So the map that we use is a heat map of fires. I was going to say, are you contrasting yep. it to your incidents? Yeah, exactly. So we contrast it to our incidents, but it's we did an interesting perspective for our heat map. We did the heat map based upon the fire incidents and the age of homes. Okay. And the age That's of a- homes, the age of homes, we gave a certain point value okay. depending upon the age of homes. And I explained to them before, well, the first map is just the heat map. And I explained to them how we created the heat map. And the story is this is fire incidents, as well as we use a point system based upon when the house is built. I said, it's very important to understand when the house was built, because I said, before this time frame, no smoke alarms were required. At this time frame, one smoke alarm was required. At this time frame, smoke alarms were required throughout the house, but they weren't required to be hardwired. At this time frame, they were required to be hardwired, blah, blah, blah. So I said, we looked in our state laws and we found out when those time frames were. So we gave a point structure to all of that. And because we have the assessor's data information, we know when all of these houses were built so we can give it. So the nice thing is, is for a newer area that has hardwired smoke alarms, 
they might not show up on our heat map as much unless they're really having a true fire problem. Gotcha. But areas that don't have smoke alarms or areas that were built during years that didn't have hardwired or connected smoke alarms or smoke alarms throughout, they're going to be amplified even more, even just by a fewer amount of incidents. So once we get finished explaining the heat map, then we start clicking on the dots. The interesting piece is the, the best part about, there's a couple of steps that are really, <laughs> that I absolutely love about the presentation. Number one was our first smoke alarm blitz we ever did. We didn't have a heat map yet, but we knew we wanted to do a smoke alarm blitz. We partnered with the Red Cross. We wanted to do all of this. We were getting ready to launch the program. So we literally went to one of our busiest stations and we said, look, tell us where to do this. Because we don't have a heat map. We're not quite sure. We kind of have an idea, but we want to hear it from you because you're the ones going on the calls. Okay. And they said, they literally said this community and they pointed in the map and they said, here's your area. And we went, okay, that's all we need. So we went and actually did that. Um, and it shows up in, in a pink dot. So, I mean, it looks like just a pink solid, you know, square when you look at it. Um, and I tell them that's the first smoke alarm blitz we ever did, da, 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 da. And then I keep going through and then you can see clusters start to appear and all the clusters start to appear on the bright red circles, which are the heat maps, right? That, those are, those are your hot zones and all the clusters start to appear in those big red circles. And then at the end of it, uh, the last slide, it pops up and it has uh, three huge stars on the map. Okay. And those three huge stars have, uh, let me see if I can get it right, have three, six, four, no, have four, three, and a four inside the stars. And I tell them that's, that's the saves. Those are our smoke mm, alarms. I was going to say, okay, that's... And I, and, you know, and I tell them that's 11 lives saved. Um, and I tell them, I, I said, and here is the most, and this is, and this is the most important thing I tell them. And I tell them, this is the, this is the thing I'm most proud of. All of those stars are smoke alarms that were installed by our firefighters. That's great. They, they were not installed by prevention. They were not installed. They were all installed by firefighters. And then I, and then I tell them each story. I tell them the, the first star that was first save we have was right here. It was a family of four. Um, it was during one of our smoke alarm blitzes. Um, but the, our firefighter crew that went out that day is the one that actually installed the smoke alarm. I also explained to them that during their visit, they also explained to the, the family members that if they had a fire to close their door. And the reason why they should close their door, you know, it's that UL close your door when you sleep or before you doze close. I, yeah, I was down in Alabama yeah. and I had to, um, theirs was something of, you know, close the door where you snore, you know. Yep, yep, so, yep. yep. Something so like that. It was, uh, um, but the, 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 the daughter's TV caught on fire in her room. And so the dad actually closed the door before they left. Nice. And it, it literally absolutely you know room it's a room and contents it was, a, it was a room and content fire. yep yep and we oh, got there awesome. because of our quick response we put it out and i explained to them i go listen it didn't have it wasn't just the smoke alarm 
It was the smoke alarm along with the education, along with the dad closing the door, along with our quick response, our crews knowing what to do and being able to do it quickly that we kept it to a room at Content Fire. That's awesome. So um, if anybody's not watching it on YouTube, but listening to the podcast, um, Chief Rogers did not have that presentation up, but I visualized yeah. the whole thing yeah. as you described yeah. it. I can see yeah. that in my mind's eye, yeah. what you just described. And that's basically being able to tell your story effectively with, yep. with lots of data, a lot of, I mean, a lot of data yep. and being able to tell it to an audience that can digest it, appreciate it and understand what you did, why you did it and then outcomes. Right. Yep. So, yep. 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 And then one of our other saves was our ladder truck actually installed the smoke alarms in the mobile home. The dad was in a wheelchair. Um, they had responded to the house in several locations, several times. Three months prior to the incident, the ladder truck had installed brand new smoke alarms throughout the house. Uh, that was a family of four, again, along with the dad in a wheelchair in a manufactured home. If you're in the fire service, you, 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 know. you just, you yeah. know, you don't even have to say another word. Right. Um, but the entire family made it out safe. Entire family made it out safe. Uh, again, I, I credit that to firefighters and here, da, 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 you know, you go down the same path. Uh, and to me, that's given that credit to the boots out on the ground. Well, uh, Deputy Chief Greg Rogers, uh, Spokane Valley Fire, uh, thank you for sharing great stories in community risk reduction that you're doing in your at your fire department, how you're serving your community. Um, I truly enjoyed this conversation very, very much. I hope um, the, our listeners and viewers are also enjoying it and thinking about what they can do to enhance their community risk reduction programs because um, what you talked about when you get it from, and you said it from the top down and the bottom up, you've got that buy-in. There, there's so much that you can do with a little bit of work or a little bit of research grants. Um, you can make a pretty significant impact and build those relationships because I think there is that element of community risk reduction where you're reducing the risk, but you're also building relationships because, you know, fire departments, you know, funding's challenged for many departments, m maybe most, right? I mean, budgets are always a, ch always a challenge and this helps justify yep. Um, keeping the staffing up, keeping, you know, new rigs in the, in the, uh, in the, in the stations and the resources that you need to, to deliver what the com what more, more communities are expecting more sophisticated uh, services from their fire and life safety departments. So yep. I, I applaud you for what you're doing there and just thanks for sharing it with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and based upon what you said, that's one of the reasons why I think those Community partnerships are essential because they can really help you make things happen. Yeah. All right. Well, I look forward to our paths crossing in again at a conference or, you know, somewhere along our journey, we'll, uh, we'll be in the same room again together. <laughs> I know they will be. So I'm looking forward to it, Tom. Nice chat right. with you. Chief Rogers, thanks so much.